why don't we just pray for Ben as he speaks. Many of you know Ben. He's the um, church leader at St. Peter's Broccoli along with his wife, Fennell. And uh, it's wonderful to be working in partnership with St. Peter's. Really exciting, all that God is doing here in South East London. So let's just pray for Ben. Father, thank you for Ben. Thank you for him. Thank you for his faith and trust in you. And we just pray you'd fill him now by your spirit. And help us, Lord, to receive your word for us this morning. For your kingdom's sake. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Really lovely to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me again. We've really enjoyed partnering with HC over a number of years now, um, obviously during Interregnum, but beautiful to be here with Ben and Lydia here as well, and obviously Mike and Amy as ordinands. And it's always amazing to come back and always amazing to come on Sunday. I felt uh, during the worship, I felt like I had a word from you, um, from God, that he sees you as his bride. Um, and I think really the what, what I mean by that is he absolutely loves this church. Jesus absolutely loves this church. And when the, the bride of Christ is a common metaphor used for the church in the New Testament, as is the body of Christ. And the thing about the body of Christ is there's lots of different parts to a body. And so he doesn't just love you as a collection, as a church, like a bride, but he loves every single part of the body. So if you're here this morning and you feel separate or you feel apart from the love of God in this and the love of God towards this church, you are a part of the body and you have a beautiful contribution to bring. You're unique for a reason because this church, this body needs you as a part of it. But the message I feel like God's saying is that he loves you. He loves this church. He loves you as a husband loves a bride. And it's a beautiful thing to be a part of a church loved by Jesus in that way. And it really helps us when we think about things like today. I'm going to be talking about healing from that passage because we don't move in the gift of healing, and it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. I'll talk about that in a second. But we don't move in the gift of healing or pray for healing from a place of wanting to be loved by God. We practice the gift of healing because we are already loved by God. And it's a gift given to us from the Holy Spirit. It's not something we do to try and please God because we're his bride. He loves us because he loves us because he loves us. We're not trying to earn his love. But before I get to the passage, uh, we were on a weekend away a couple of weekends ago. And uh, it reminded me of the first ever church weekend away I went on. I'd not long been a Christian, became a Christian at university at a church in central London. And we went on a weekend away, never been on a church weekend away before. And I wasn't used to the way a lot of churches pray for people at the end of the services. So you guys do it here. We do it at St. Peter's. We get people forward and we bless what the Holy Spirit's doing. And we try and move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of which is healing. And I was on this weekend away and lots of people there, must have been about 300 people there. And I sat on the back left trying to hide, if I'm honest, um, and trying to just observe what was going on because I wasn't used to it. I never went up to the front. I was just checking it out and seeing what it was all about and what was happening. And after the talk, lots of people came forward and people were praying for people at the front. I was stayed sat there with this lady next to me and somebody got up on the stage and gave what's called a word of knowledge, which is another one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like God has just told me that there's someone here who has been blind in their left eye for seven years and you need to come forward because I'd love to pray for you for healing. And so I'm sitting there thinking, there is no chance there's anybody here who's been blind in their left eye. It's such a specific word. Anyway, this lady next to me jumps up in the air and goes, oh, 
that's me, that's me, and legs it down to the front of the church, and she gets prayed for, and she's instantly healed. I know she was healed because she came and sat down next to me again, and she covered her right eye and was able to read with her left eye, and she showed me the string of messages from her family. She was American, her family back home, who couldn't believe that she'd been healed. She'd been totally blind for seven years. But the real way we knew she was healed was because she kept bumping into the door frames of the conference center because suddenly her depth perception had been totally thrown out by the way she could see in her left eye for the first time. So we were all amazed at this incredible healing. And from then on, really, I've been part of churches that have always prayed for people for healing. I've always encouraged the gift of the Holy Spirit that is for healing, the gift of healing that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. And it's an absolute pleasure to be a part of churches that move in the gifts of the Spirit in that way, because they are signs and wonders of the kingdom of God. They point to the lordship of Jesus and they validate his presence, his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We'll get to that in a second. But the truth is, we don't often see miraculous healings like that, do we? And there's a number of reasons why we don't. Often it's just not something that's encouraged in church, or it might be something that we don't necessarily feel confident to pray for because it's a bit exposing, isn't it, for us as the person praying? Or maybe it's a bit exposing for the person asking for healing because what if they don't get healed and then that gets awkward and it's really hard to actually explain that and talk about that in that way. We also don't want to look like an idiot and pray for healing and then it not happen and feel a little bit silly afterwards. And so therefore, I think the easier thing to do is just to ignore that as a gift of the Holy Spirit and not get involved and not pray for the gift of healing. But what I want to say this morning is that would be a mistake. Because I think the gift of healing, when we are practicing and encouraging and desiring the gift of healing in our church, is one of the best ways that God, and one of the most productive ways that God validates his kingdom validates his presence on earth. Let me just explain it to you from the big kind of narrative of the Bible, because the whole point of Christianity, the whole point of us here as the bride of Christ, as the body of Christ, is to become more like Jesus and then do the things that he did. As you see throughout the New Testament and the Gospels, you see Jesus encouraging his followers to become like him and then do the things that he did. And what I want to say about healing this morning is that healing is inseparable from the proclamation of the gospel. We see this throughout all of the gospel narratives. So when we read in Matthew 4, Jesus declares that the good news of the kingdom of God is at hand. He then calls disciples to him and then instantly he starts healing the sick. So he proclaims the gospel and then heals the sick. In Mark 1, the bit we're reading here, Jesus says the good news of the kingdom of God is at hand. He calls disciples to himself and then he instantly starts ministering in something called deliverance and physical healing. Many people, you might have read it the other week in the passage that we're, before the passage we're reading today, many people came to him and they were instantly healed. In Luke, he proclaims the good news of the kingdom. He starts delivering people from evil oppression, but then also he heals people of sickness. Healing was Jesus's, if you like, go-to demonstration of the kingdom of God being at hand. And by the kingdom of God being at hand, we mean you can literally, it's as literal, you can reach out and you can touch and experience and taste and feel the kingdom of God in our midst. And so when we experience physical healing in, in the church sense, but also out on the streets as we bring the kingdom of God and the good news to other people, it is a taste 
it is a taste of what the kingdom of God is like, which makes sense because when you read the grand narrative of Scripture, the whole of it is going to end in Revelation 21. And when you read Revelation 21, we read that there's going to be no more tears, there's going to be no more death, there's going to be no more mourning, there's going to be no more crying, and there's going to be no more pain. The old order of things has passed away and see, the Lord says, I'm doing a new thing, I'm making all things new. So that is where we are aiming as a church. That is the fullness of the kingdom of God at hand. So Jesus inaugurates the kingdom, but we're pointing towards Revelation 21 when the fullness of the presence of Jesus is going to be with us on earth and there's going to be no sickness. And so therefore, when we practice the gift of healing, we're bringing in the future reality of the kingdom into our midst. Now, now here's the problem. For those of us who say that's lovely, but that's not something that happens today or it's not something we should encourage in church. It's far too awkward or we just don't see it. We've tried it before. It doesn't work. The problem is that when you read the Gospels, Jesus expected his disciples to also heal the sick. So in Luke 9, he sends out the 12 with authority to cure diseases and heal the sick. And they come back to him and they say, everything that we saw you do, we now do. And it's the most amazing thing in the world. And Jesus, by the way, says at that point, don't rejoice that these things happen. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of heaven. Essentially, it's about demonstrating the kingdom. We don't glorify the gift of healing. It's all about pointing to the lordship of Jesus. But some people say, oh, but that's the apostles. Like that's, it's easy for them. They walked around with Jesus. They saw Jesus do the things of the kingdom. It's easy to have faith when you've walked with Jesus. Well, here's the next problem. The next problem is Jesus didn't just expect his closest followers, the 12. He also then in Luke 10 sends out 72 people. Now, I'm guessing of the 72, Jesus hadn't talked to many of them in depth that much. Just too many people. But it, they do exactly the same thing. He gives them authority to heal the sick, to cast out demons, deliver people from oppression. And they come running back to him and say, it's amazing. The demons submit to your name, Jesus, and we see, see the sick get healed. But then some of us might say, oh, but that's people that are physically present with Jesus. It's just not the same now. Surely that shouldn't be happening in our churches these days. Well, here's the ultimate problem for us as Christians is Matthew 28. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. And then he says to his disciples, go make disciples of all nations and come, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you to do. So Jesus spent a lot of time teaching his disciples to obey, moving in the practice of physical healing. And then he says, now you go, make disciples of all nations, teach them to obey the same stuff. Now what we often do there is go, yeah, brilliant, forgiveness, really important, loving people, really important. And what we forget is the majority of the time Jesus was on earth ministering in the kingdom of God, he was delivering people and he was healing people from physical sickness and many other types of oppression, people imprisoned in different ways and all those sorts of things. We think that, that forgiveness and love are less supernatural than healing. Therefore, we go after those things, but we forget about these physical things. But the whole point is they are all supernatural. The whole thing is supernatural from start to finish. Have you ever tried to forgive someone? Someone that did something to you that is unforgivable. It's incredibly difficult to do, isn't it? We can't do it apart from the Spirit of God working in us, helping us to be able to love that person. It's the same with the gift of healing. None of us here can heal people, but Jesus can. And Jesus has all power, all authority, and Jesus has been given to him. Now I give it to you. Go make disciples of all nations, teach them to obey everything. And yet, in church, we don't see much physical healing. We don't pray for much physical healing in church. And I often think it's, that's a little bit like weddings without canapes. So if you've ever been to a wedding that's at 1 p.m. 
a.m. in the afternoon and you're getting ready and you don't know whether to eat or not before the wedding. And as a result, you've had breakfast late because it's Saturday. And so therefore, you're not hungry before you go. So you arrive at the wedding and it's bang smack in the middle of the day when you would normally have lunchtime. And then the wedding happens to be some friends of yours at church who use it as their opportunity to sing every single song they love. And it goes on forever and ever and ever. And then the preacher will not shut up and the talk's an hour long. And by the time you get to the end of the wedding, your blood sugar levels are on the floor, absolutely on the floor. You can't cope anymore. All you want is to see your friends process out the aisle at the end. You can applaud them. And as you go out of the back of the the doors of the front of church, you want to see lots of people dressed up in suits and nice dresses with trays on their hands, handing out lovely little snacks. And you can enjoy the snacks before the main meal later. A church without moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is like a wedding without any of those snacks. It's like we're starving for the meal later on. And that is not how it's supposed to be. When people come in through these doors or when we go out into the streets as Christians full of the Holy Spirit, we are supposed to be bringing canapes of the kingdom to the people out there and the people that come in. And one of my favorite canapes of the kingdom is the gift of healing. It's like that snacker with the cream cheese and then the medium rare steak on top, you know? It's like the best canapé going. It's like the one that everybody goes for and follows the waiter around getting snacks after a wedding. So if we want a church, that gives people a taste of heaven, that tastes like heaven, that enables people to bring experience heaven at hand. We need to be moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So how do we move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, here we are in Mark 1. We have a brilliant example of Jesus healing somebody. And there's four things I want us to notice from this passage. And I think if we take notice of these four things, when we start praying for people for healing, we will start to see people get physically healed as a result. And they are signs of the kingdom, tastes of the kingdom that point to the lordship of Jesus. So let me just read it again from verse 40. If you want to follow, you can read it in your Bible. It says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean, he said. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. He said, I am willing be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And then Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. He said, see to it that you don't tell this to anyone. The reason he does that, by the way, um, theologians call it the messianic secret in Mark, is because he wanted to teach people about the kingdom of God. And people understandably often get carried away with miracles. So what you see happens is people flock to him for physical healings and they demand signs for him. But what he's really trying to teach them about is the kingdom of God. And this links beautifully with the series that you're going through because it's what's what's the title of the series? It's Start With Me. Because Jesus is interested first and foremost in the heart, transformation of the heart. Physical healings are amazing. They're beautiful, but we're all going to die at some point, aren't we? Jesus is interested in the things of the heart. That's why in the Beatitudes, he says, you've heard it said, do not um, murder. But I say to you, don't even think thoughts of anger. Jesus takes the whole thing, all of these external laws and practices and things that are good for us, and he says, it's a problem with the heart. Jesus has come to transform the heart first and foremost. Therefore, it makes sense start with me. If we want to see things of the kingdom, start with me. Anyway, so he says, don't go and tell anyone. And it, to be honest, it's pretty easy to work out why, because then he went out, the guy that got healed, and he began to talk to freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. 
yet people still came to him from everywhere. So Jesus wants to be able to teach the things of the kingdom of God and demonstrate the kingdom of God at hand with signs and wonders. But the point isn't the signs and wonders. The point is the kingdom of God. It's pointing to his lordship and what he's come to bring about. That's why he didn't want the leper to go and tell everybody. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. Four things to take notice in this passage if we want to start moving in physical healing as well. First is that sickness is bad. Sickness is bad. It's particularly bad for this guy in the story. We obviously don't struggle with people who have leprosy in this country at this time, but for him it was a double whammy of badness. Firstly, leprosy is a horrific disease that affects the body in the most horrific of ways. But as a Jewish person, he would have been ostracized from the community. So he would have had to live outside of the town because he wasn't only sick, he was what the Jewish people thought was unceremonially unclean. And so therefore, he would probably live near the rubbish dump so that he could pick up the scraps that got thrown out there. So he was horribly sick and he was completely ostracized from his community. Sickness is bad. Sickness is not how it is intended to be. It is not a part of the kingdom of the fullness of the presence of God on earth. It is simply a symptom of the disease human condition commonly known as sin. Not your sin most of the time, but the sinful context in which we live out our lives. It's a manifestation of brokenness that Jesus is dead set against. That's why you never see him leaving sickness alone because it's not of the kingdom of God. And so for those of us in this room who have struggled with sickness or might currently be struggling with sickness, we don't need to be told that sickness is bad, do we? Sickness doesn't even have to be particularly debilitating to know that it has a horrible effect on our lives, that it stops us from living life in all its fullness. And Jesus has come so that we might live life in all its fullness. So the first thing to notice is sickness is bad. He's got this leprosy and he comes and he's begging Jesus on his knees. You beg somebody for help when things are particularly bad. Second thing to notice in this passage is that Jesus is willing to heal sickness. So Jesus' immediate response in verse 41, it says that he was indignant and he reached out his hand and he touched the man. He said, I am willing. Jesus is willing to heal physical sickness. And it's even more powerful in this context of this guy who had leprosy because nobody else would have touched him because they would have believed the Jewish people, if they touched him, they would then become ceremonially unclean and they would have had to go through all these complex um, cleansing rituals so as to get clean again. But Jesus, because of the holiness in him, he's contagiously holy and it affects the person that he touches and the kingdom of God comes upon him and he's healed. Jesus is willing to heal sickness. Just notice there, there's the word indignant there. So kind of the heart desire behind him being willing to heal sickness, there is indignance. Essentially, it's anger at the effects of evil, the kingdom of darkness. The ministry of Jesus is best understood as a clash between two kingdoms, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. And in the kingdom of darkness, there's sickness, there's disease, there's evil. In the kingdom of heaven, it's the fullness of the presence of God and it's the fullness of his love and there's no more sickness, there's no more pain, there's no more tears, there's no more death. The old order of things have passed away. And so therefore, Jesus is angry at the kingdom of darkness and its hold on the world, not angry at the person who's ill. Never Take it as angry as the person that's here. It was angry at the kingdom of darkness and the effect it's having on the children whom he has come to save. And so therefore he's willing to heal. In some other translations, it translates as Jesus had compassion on the man. Um, and in elsewhere in Mark, it says compassion. And that word compassion means his bowels literally moved as he saw the person in sickness. Can you see how it starts with the heart? 
if we want to move in the power of healing, it starts with our heart. We need to pray for compassion on those who are struggling because that is the motivation for us. It's not so that we can seek all healings. It's not so that we can boast to people about healings. It's not so that we can feel good ourselves because God has used it. It is simply a heart of compassion and pity for people who are caught up and constrained by the kingdom of darkness. It's not how it's supposed to be. And Jesus is willing and we should also be willing. So notice, Jesus never leaves sickness alone. He never leaves people in sickness because he's trying to teach them a spiritual lesson. That is not the teaching of the New Testament. It's wrong teaching, but it is prevalent in some streams of church. He never leaves sickness alone because people deserve it. Again, this is not the God that we worship. Jesus is willing to heal the sickness simply because it's part of his job description. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to release the oppressed, to set the prisoner free, to open the eyes of the blind, and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor is just the fullness of heaven on earth. And the fullness of heaven on earth has no sickness and pain. And so therefore, it's a natural part of his job description. Now, big question to ask, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it in a second when I make my next point. But why is it that some people don't get healed? It's an important question to ask. And I think it's an important question for us to actually think about because I think it informs the way that we pray for healing. We always pray with compassion. And so we're not promising healing because I think when we pray and we promise healing, it becomes more about the gift of healing. It becomes more about us because some people aren't healed. And from a theological perspective, that's the now and the not yet of the kingdom. So the kingdom has come when Jesus was in flesh on earth and he declared that the kingdom of God was at hand. You could reach out and touch it. But the kingdom is also still coming because we're not seeing the fullness of heaven on earth, are we, yet? We don't need to look far in order to realize that. And the kingdom will eventually come in fullness in Revelation 21. So we're caught in the middle here where we do sometimes see people get healed, but sometimes we don't see people get healed because the kingdom hasn't come fully yet. But do you know what? Most people that are asking questions about suffering or why they're not getting healed aren't interested in theology, not interested in theology whatsoever. You'll know that if you've been sick and you've been prayful for healing and you've not had physical healing. What they need to know is that Jesus sets himself apart from any other religion because it's in our sickness and in our pain and in our suffering that he chooses to enter in and experience suffering and pain and torture and even death, the most horrific death possible, himself. Why? So that he could be with us. Because the gospel is actually the nearness of God. It's his presence in our hearts. And so therefore, when we're sick and we're not being healed, we still have the gift of his compassion. We have the gift of his presence with us in and amongst the pain. It doesn't mean that we can explain everything. It doesn't mean that's everything explainable, but it does mean that we can have peace and joy despite the most horrific circumstances because of his presence with us. So sickness is bad. Jesus is willing to heal sickness. Thirdly, authority seems to be important. So verse 41, look at the way Jesus prays for healing. It's pretty brief. He says, be clean. And immediately leprosy left the man. Be clean. Jesus has authority over sickness. And you see it time and time again throughout the Gospels. He speaks to the condition and he commands it to go. Just a few passages before in the same chapter one of Mark, he stands up in front of the synagogue and he gives his first sermon. And the people are amazed at the the end and they say, what is this new teaching? It's not just amazing teaching, but it comes with authority. He's able to back it up with authority, particularly over sickness and over evil. 
And so authority seems to be important. There's a famous healing in Matthew 8, which actually Matthew couples together with this healing. And in Matthew 8, it's of a Roman centurion's servant. And the Roman centurion observes um, Jesus healing lots of people. And he says, listen, I'm a Roman centurion. I say to this one, go, and they go. I say to this one, come here, and they come. I can see that you have that same authority over sickness. So therefore, just say the word of my servant and be healed. He understands that Jesus has authority. How does that apply to us? Jesus gives us the same authority over sickness. Matthew 28 says, All authority has been given to me. Now go, make disciples of all nations, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. The same authority to heal the sick, to cast out evil, resides in us because of the Holy Spirit. So again, why do sometimes we not see healing then? Because Jesus seems to have a 100% hit rate when it comes to physical healing. Why is that not the case in church? Well, the thing to understand about Jesus, he's the same as us in kind, in that he's fully human, but he's different from us in degree. He's more fully divine than we will ever will be this side of heaven. It's a bit of a thing to work out, but essentially what we're saying is when Jesus came in flesh, it was so as to show us what it means to be fully human, what it would look like to be humanity as it, we were originally created to be in the Garden of Eden. And there are some unseen foundations in the life of Jesus that are in Mark 1, actually, in his baptism, that if we want to see more healing, more people healed as we pray for them, that we'd be minded to pay attention to. So when he's baptized, Jesus is fully obedient. He didn't need to get baptized. He certainly didn't need the baptism of the forgiveness of sins because he was sinless. Why was he doing it? He was just being obedient to his Father in heaven. If we move in obedience, if we obey what he's asking us to do, we're going to see more healing in our ministry as we pray for people for healing. Secondly, he knew he was loved by the Father. At the baptism, it says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. I'm proud of him. I love him. That was before he did any healing. So he knows that he is praying for healing from a place of already being loved. He's not trying to earn love by moving the things of the Spirit. And then thirdly, it says that he's filled to overflowing without measure, it says, with the Holy Spirit. If we want to see more healing in our lives, it is an enigmatic for us. We sometimes see people heal, we sometimes won't. But if we want to see more healing, we need to be obedient to what he's asking us to do. We need to be filled with the love of our Father so that we're not trying to prove ourselves in moving the things of the Spirit. But we also need to constantly go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because this is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not something we work up ourselves. So he's the same as us in kind, but he's different from us in degree. The reason he's different in degree is because Jesus never sinned, but we do. We fall short of Jesus. I mean, we'd be deluding ourselves if we didn't think that we did. And so therefore, we're not fully obedient all of the time, are we? We're not fully affirmed by the love of our Father. We're always doing things to try and earn love. We're human. It's part of what it means to be living in our sinful concept. And also, we're not fully filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. The Spirit lives in us. We live in the Holy Spirit, but there's always more. Paul talks about that a lot in Ephesians. And so, therefore, our experience of healing is going to be enigmatic. Anyway, final point. Sickness is bad. Jesus is willing to heal sickness. Authority is important. Knowing that we have authority over sickness. Finally, faith. Faith feels like the key when it comes to healing. Verse 40, the guy struggling with leprosy says this. He begs him on his knees, says, if you are willing, Jesus, you can make me clean. Not you might be able to make me clean or mine's particularly bad, Jesus, so have a go, but I don't have much hope for it. The, lep the leper comes to Jesus and says, you can make me clean. 
So faith seems to be important. And as you look at the Matthew version of this story with the centurion afterwards, Jesus affirms the centurion and says, I haven't seen faith like this throughout the whole of Israel. Incredible amounts. So Jesus seems to be the healing, the things of the kingdom, the spirit seem to be attracted to faith. Now, I want to debunk faith a little bit, particularly when it comes to healing. Let me tell you what faith isn't when it comes to physical healing. Faith isn't saying that somebody is healed before they've actually been healed. That's not faith. That's actually incredibly rude. And it sets people up for awful experiences of church. So we never do that. We never say that someone is healed before they're actually healed. Faith isn't also shouting at someone until they're healed because that's just rude too and it doesn't raise faith at all it's got nothing to do with faith it's just weird things people have picked up from conferences most likely in america faith also isn't clicking when we pray for people for healing absolute nonsense no need to do that whatsoever and we don't need to change our voice so that it sounds like we've got more faith do you know what i think faith is faith is something that can grow as we see more of the things of the holy spirit it's like confidence the centurion in matthew 8 had confidence that jesus could heal his servant simply because he'd just seen him heal loads of people. If we'd seen Jesus heal loads of people, we would have confidence he could also heal us or our friend or somebody who works for us. It's like confidence. It can grow. And so for this leper, he's come to Jesus, and he would have seen, either he's heard about it and people are talking about it, or he's seen him heal other people. And so therefore, his confidence is sky high. So when he comes to Jesus, he says, you can heal. I know you can because I've heard about it or I've seen it. And can you see why we don't see much healing in the church now? It's because we don't pray for many people for healing. And so therefore, our confidence, our faith for healing is right on the floor. And Jesus wants to raise the level of faith for healing. And the only way that we're going to see faith and raise in the terms of healing in our church is if we pray for lots of people for healing. Somebody who sees lots of healing is not somebody who's particularly gifted. People that think that they're... I've got a gift of healing or something. It's nonsense. It's not what Paul talks about in the New Testament. When Paul talks about us gathering together as a church, he talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit being distributed among us as the Holy Spirit wills. It's not something he just says, oh, Sarita, you're the healer in this church. You're going to permanently have the gift of healing. And whenever we need healing, we're just going to come to you. That's not how the Holy Spirit works because then it becomes about Sarita and not him. It doesn't point to the Lordship of Jesus. What happens is as we worship and we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, his, his hand of grace starts planting the gifts of the Spirit among us. And something Jackie Pullen just said, we were on a weekend away and she was teaching us the other week, is what is the most, what, what is the most important gift of the Holy Spirit? And people normally go, prophecy, because they've read 1 Corinthians, because that's what Paul talks about there, to a specific instance. But it's actually not that. The most important gift of the Holy Spirit is the one that is needed in the moment. So therefore, if healing's needed, that's the one we ask for. If someone needs direction, we ask for prophecy. If someone needs a miracle, we ask for a miracle. These aren't ours. It's not like little pets that we keep and we're really proud of. We show off to everybody. This is the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God who distributes them as he wills. And so therefore, if we want to see more healing, we need to pray for more people for healing, which we're going to do in a minute, by the way, just so you're all prepared. But I'm going to tell you how it's very easy. So faith is like confidence in that it increased the more we see God do. This is why we share testimonies. A couple of stories of healing before we then pray for each other for healing. Um, so I had that experience of someone being healed on the weekend away. A number of years later, I was on another, I was speaking on a student weekend away whilst I was training actually for ordination at college. And there was a lady who, it was a student weekend, so it was one of the students came and her name was Anna. 
and she'd been in a car accident. And as a result of the car accident, her, her spine had been broken in seven different places and her pelvis had been totally shattered. And so she had an emergency operation and had a bar, metal rod, put down her spine so as to keep it where it needed to be until they did a further operation to repair um, particularly the spine because of obviously the the pathways, the spinal cord, and it's incredibly important for the rest of her body to be able to work. But she was facing an operation the week after this weekend, whereby it was very likely that as a result of the operation, she'd be paralyzed from the waist down. And so I didn't know this student group because I was studying at the time. It was led by someone else. We were just speaking on the weekend away. But can you imagine how that felt for the students? There's only about 50 people there, but to know that one of their friends had this operation coming up the week after. And one of the talks was on healing, and particularly it was on compassion being the driving force behind the gift of the spirit of healing. It starts with us. It starts with our compassion. So when we prayed for this girl for healing, it was incredible because all the students were surrounding this girl, and as they were praying for healing on her body, they were all weeping at the same time. They had compassion for this girl. Their heart was moved with pity to pray for her. Anyway, nothing happened in the moment. She didn't feel anything. Nobody jumped up. She was actually in a wheelchair. She didn't jump up and declared that she was healed. The Monday following the weekend away, she went for some pre-op scans before the operation that week. And it was at UCH, just down the road from where our church was at the time. And she went in to see the consultant. The consultant knew her really well. And she had all the different tests done that needed to be done. Consultant came back into the room and said, I'm really sorry, there's a problem with our machines. We're going to have to test you again. So she went and did all the tests again. Eventually, the consultant comes back into the room and says, this is really embarrassing, but our machines aren't working at all. We're going to have to put you in an ambulance and take you across to Paddington to do your pre-op test. So they put her in an ambulance. They take her across to Paddington. She has all the same tests again done in the machines. And eventually the consultant comes back in the room and says, this is really embarrassing for me because I know you and I've been seeing, like, overseeing your case since the accident. But do you have any form of identification on you? And Anna's, at the moment, Anna's like, this is ridiculous. So she gets out her driving license, gives it to the consultant, and he checks it. And he says, I have no way of explaining this, but every single scan that we've done today shows that your spine is perfectly in one piece. There's no metal rod anymore in your body. And the pelvis that was shattered before on our previous scans is now a completely different shape. And she was also two inches taller, which is a miracle I often pray for. And... Uh, it was the most unbelievable miracle I've ever seen. And do you know what was the most incredible thing about it? She went back to the student group on the Tuesday night and she told the rest of the students about this miracle. They saw six further physical healings that night. Why? Because faith went through the roof. This friend who had a spine like broken in seven places, pelvis shattered, been instantly, miraculously healed. They're hearing her. I've got a recording of it. She's weeping the whole way through as she talks about it. Their faith goes through the roof. They pray for other people and the other people get healed. Faith is like confidence. And as we share testimonies of the healing of God, our confidence starts to rise and we start to see more healing. Two weeks ago on our weekend away, there was a lady I was praying for healing and she had an allergy. Every time she lay her head down on a pillow at night, she would get a blocked nose, something to do with the pillow. She tried loads of different pillows, happened with every single pillow, even the hyperallergenic ones all the time. Every time she lays her head down, she's tried all sorts of drugs. It's not fixed her. We pray for her for healing two weeks ago, and she's not had any problems since. She lies her head down on a pillow, and she can breathe perfectly well. She can be completely healed. 
Another person on their way down to the conference couldn't drive, that his wife had to take over driving uh, because of the pain down his leg, gets there. And one of the things that Jackie did that was most beautiful is she got the children to come in and pray for healing because children don't have a lot of the baggage we often have when it comes to praying for healing. And the kids laid hands on this guy, prayed for healing. He's been totally pain-free since, drove all the way home and had no problems since. So my faith right now is sky high in terms of healing. I know that God heals. God doesn't always heal. Not every time we pray does God heal. But the reason I always pray for healing is not because of all the times I haven't seen God heal, although we do have to deal with that pastorally and properly and with compassion. But the reason I pray for people for physical healing every time is because of the times I have seen God heal. And it's a sign of the kingdom, and it's encouraging for us as a church. It's particularly encouraging for people who don't believe in Jesus. It's why people often see a lot of healing on the streets with non-Christians. It's because it's an instant way of validating the kingdom of God and the message and the gospel that we're trying to talk about. Anyway, that's it. Let's actually try it. How long we got, Ben? Ten minutes. Perfect. Um, Has anyone got anything they'd love prayer for healing this morning? Lovely. Do you mind coming forward? I'm not going to do anything strange. Um, Do you mind sharing what it is to people, or is it something you'd rather not share? Great. Come up. Brilliant. What's your name? Zoe. Good to have you, Zoe. Um, Zoe, what is it that you are struggling with? Um, I have a tumor that's weakening my bones, and I have to take horrible medicine that makes me sick every other week. Zoe, that's horrible. I'm so sorry. Um, and are you known here? Do you come here? I've spoken to someone who comes here. That's beautiful. Thank you for coming. <laughs> First time and she's come up. Isn't that amazing? You're amazing. Yeah, amazing. So um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to demonstrate how we pray for healing. So we treat people as people. So Zoe here's that's horrific, isn't it? Absolutely horrific. We treat people as people. It's not a project so that we can see something amazing happen. It's also not something that we then go shouting about. Zoe's a person, she's here on her first time, incredibly brave Zoe, even just coming up and sharing something that's that painful. I mean, it's horrific. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm going to just show this lot how to pray for healing. Is that okay? Um, now, is there anywhere, is it, where is the tumor? Do you mind telling me? Can't find it. Okay. to relearn how to walk and I'm so thankful that I've got this medicine but about six months ago I became allergic to it so I have to inject myself with something I'm allergic to now um, which is nasty as you can imagine although I'm grateful for how far I've come I'd like 100% (laughs) that's amazing Um, I'm just going to keep talking about things you're saying if you don't mind and not to expose you but just to teach Um, so when someone's on medication for something that we're praying for healing for we never ever tell them to come off the medication stay on the medication but when we pray for them if they feel like they might have been healed they can go get it checked up but they don't come on medication off medication some churches say come off as a statement of faith absolute nonsense jesus doesn't need that in order to heal someone we don't come off medication and so i'm just going to pray for you just to show people how to do it. it's like, okay um brilliant so if you just shut your eyes so you're not distracted and if you just hold your hands out um we're going to do all this in a second so i'm just going to ask lord jesus holy spirit would you give me the gift of healing now it's not me this is a gift from the Holy Spirit, and I pray. You, can you come and join me and lay a hand too? Um, yeah, do you mind? Just come up. Just lay a hand on her shoulder. Thank you. So, Lord, would you work through me for healing? And so I pray for Zoe now. And the Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord, for her boldness and her courage to come here. First time she's come, she comes up here. Thank you that she's your child. Thank you that you love her. Thank you that... Whether she's healed or not, that has no bearing on how much you love her, that you love her 
unconditionally. But Lord, we bring before you this horrific condition, this tumor, and we command it to go now in the name of Jesus. I pray for your healing power, Lord, to flood her body now. And I speak to her bones, and I ask that they would strengthen now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. More of your Holy Spirit. More of your healing power. Well done, Zoe. Brilliant. So, um, Zoe, were you feeling anything while we were praying? I'm so nervous being in front of all of you. All I can feel is the nerves. <laughs> You're doing amazingly well. <laughs> Thank you for doing it. You're incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, now, presumably it's not something that you can feel in the present. No, but if the medicine is no longer necessary, they'll know. And I have a scan in a few weeks too. Good, good, thank you so much. So if it's something like that, um, sorry, Zoe, I'm just going to speak to him again. If it's something like that where um, you can't try it out or you wouldn't know if it's being healed or not, um, obviously never say don't stop, don't stop taking your medication. But um, in two weeks, it's just worth checking out when they go for the, for the, um, for the sc- is it a scan they would